let your servant depart in peace. O Master, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. A light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people is Welcome to Enacting the Kingdom, a podcast about liturgical worship. My name is Father Yuri Hladio, and I'm an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning. I'm joined by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey holds a doctorate in liturgical theology and is the co-director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto. Here we are again at Getting, uh, getting halfway through another series on an aspect of Vespers, Father Jeffrey. And uh, I think this is our last major series on Vespers. So we're kind of nearing the end of Vespers. I'm a little sad. Yeah, it's been quite enjoyable. And I hope our listeners have uh, enjoyed listening along with our various thoughts of the service as we go through it. But um, we can assure them that there are plenty more Liturgy of the Hours services to contend with in the future. But uh, we'll, we'll miss Vespers when we've let it go here. Of course, of course. Um, so as our listeners know, hopefully, because you've clicked on this episode, is that we are going through the Song of Simeon. So just a bit of a recap on the Song of Simeon. Um, it is a piece of poetic... Like it's a song, it's a poem that is uh, given in the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke in the scene when Jesus is brought as a child to the temple to be dedicated and Simeon is there and receives him. And Simeon is the one who pronounces this song. He sings this song and uh, we sing it at the end of Vespers. And we found out, uh, we learned, I should say, um, in the historical episode about how, you know, it's it's really been at that place at the end of evening worship for a very long time. And maybe forever, yes. Maybe forever. And today, in today's episode, we are going to be exploring what, why? Like, why did it end up at the end of evening worship? Right. What what is it about this song that really lends itself both both like east and west? Like, why did it end up there? There's got to be something about this song that really lends itself to be to be ending our evening worship. So Father Jeffrey, I thought maybe today what we could do is go through each aspect of Vespers. I'll give maybe like a little one-liner about why that part is there or what it serves, the whole narrative of the service. And you can sort of expand on that. And then in doing that, we can build a picture of the grand movement of Vespers. And then finally we reach this song. And how does this song kind of wrap everything up nicely? Would that work? Yeah, that sounds good. Alrighty. Well, of course, Psalm 103 starts starts Vesper. So hmm, let me think. I'm going to think off the top of my head. A nice, clean one-liner. We are setting the stage for God's continual love and mercy and care for his creation. 
Yeah, of course. I mean, and as we said, it wasn't just setting the stage of this particular worship service or of our worship life as such, but really our whole life. The, the, the context of our whole life is being in a place that is loved and created by God and not creation in some distant past, but as an ongoing act, an ongoing uh, characteristic of God, that he is ordering things, setting them right, drawing them all towards um, the, the purpose of all creation, of all space and time, which is to be brought into communion with him. That's what frames the very acts and words and rituals that we're doing, but also the entirety of our life, that, that kind of grand landscape really of god's creative power all right and then we have uh, or or was there anything else you wanted to add about psalm 103 no no okay I think perfect that's, yeah cool um then we move to the uh great litany or the litany of peace and of course those who have listened through that series know the emphasis that we put on that word peace shalom irini this real concept of the the presence of god bringing justice and and, and peace um, and that, oh, sorry, I'm supposed to make this in one line, aren't I? Okay. <laughs> one line summary. I, I didn't hear the full stop. So it's all one <laughs> sentence. <laughs> um, okay, here we go. <clears throat> uh, the call, the, the prayer for God to reveal his peace in our lives and in the life of the world. Yeah, exactly that. So having set the stage, right, this is where we bring the kind of narratives or stories of our own life from the world, right? We, we talk about the whole world, about the world's rulers. We talk about the church and its ministers. We talk about every aspect of our life, essentially all the things with which we are kind of preoccupied on a day-to-day -day basis. Those are the things we bring with us. And this is a reminder that what we're doing in worship isn't about escaping from the world, that we kind of have this spiritual life that's kind of a departure from our real life, that we leave that behind somehow. But no, we bring all that with us. We bring the whole world as we conceive it and live it in our own life onto the stage, that grand stage that has been set at the beginning of the service. And what's the purpose of that? It's exactly what you said, to, to, kind of introduce all of that to the peace of God. That's what it means to have a litany of peace, that we commend one another, ourselves, and our whole life towards that goal, towards that peace, that shalom of God. Wonderful. So the next section is, by the way, if I move on too fast and you want to add more, just interrupt me. I will. Don't worry. Um, the, the next section is the kathisma or the kathismata, where yeah. we read the Psalms almost at random, where we just read Psalms. And um, so let me encapsulate this nicely. Um, joining ourselves to the ups and downs of the story of scripture. How's that? Yeah, that's, that's great. Because in this continuous reading of the Psalms, which you say, I mean, it's somewhat random because we could be starting and stopping, you know, at any place. It's not thematically connected to the day. It, we're, we're invited into a kind of reflective or introspective mode, right? Where, uh, you know, if the litany of peace was about the world out there, now it's about the world in here. And you won't see this, but I'm pointing at my chest. <laughs> you know, so, so inside our hearts, inside our minds. Uh, and, and those aren't actually disconnected, the world out there and the world in here. As fathers like St. Maximus tell us, every human person, every human being is like a microcosm, a world in miniature. And so, as you say, in the Psalms, 
which themselves are directly connected to this overall story of God through the human experience and uh, the experience of faithful people of God that are told there and expressed there. But these Psalms become like a well or a source for our own connection and latching on to that overall story through its ups and downs, right? The ups and downs of our lives. And so it's about deepening our kind of personal connection as faithful members of the family of God to that overall, you know, picture. So we've had that outward. Now we have this kind of inward move. Now we enter into that section of Vespers people might be familiar with, uh, that often people call, um, the Lord I have called, but but it's the four lamplighting psalms, Psalm 140, 141, 129, and 116. And these psalms, okay, let me encapsulate it nicely. Um, a, a move from disorientation towards reorientation, climbing the mountain. Mm, I'm not sure if I like that one, but we'll work with it. Yeah, for sure. It's movement. It's dynamic, right? That That's what this is about. It's like from isolation, from our individual life, from that place where we, even as faithful, are actually truly vulnerable in our experience. Like we come from a world where not everyone shares that goal of living towards God's kingdom and peace. So it's a place of division, of suffering, temptation, right? We saw that, you know, in company, you know, with those who work iniquity and that sort of thing. It's, it's the life, uh, you know, we need to, you know, in each of these Psalms, we see a kind of movement out of that isolation and frailty towards the life of the family, of the covenant, of the community, life as it's lived in the presence of God in his holy temple. So that's that ascent that you've referred to, that kind of going up to, to Zion, into the presence of God. And when we're together in God's presence, we're strengthened, we're renewed. It's good to be here, right? And, and moreover, there's a kind of hint at the end of all of these things that all the nations kind of already know this, right? The last psalm of those four uh, lamplighting psalms ends with praise the Lord, all you nations, praise him, all you people. The truth of the Lord endures forever, right? So all nations will recognize this, but this it's a movement. It's a movement from, from where we were separated from one another and from God back into his presence. And and now we get to Oh Gladsome Light, the Sunset Hymn. And uh, let me let's see what I can do to encapsulate this. The evening hymn is the beginning of the new day of creation. How's that? That's lovely. I mean, really, it, this is the high point of the service, as we emphasized when we were talking about it, right? So, uh, how is it the the new uh, the day of the the new creation of the kingdom? Well, it's the very face of God Himself that shines, right? The gladsome light in which the people of God, the new creation, are 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 created, are called into being, are renewed, are basking in this light, right? It's a moment that, in fact, like you know, elsewhere in, in our services, in our worship, like when we receive the sacraments or in, in the divine liturgy, we stand already, we participate already in the end of all things. Here we are in this, and it's a hymn of praise and it's a hymn of glory. It's a hymn of partaking in the glory of the divine trinity of that new life that is offered to the world. And then we move to the Prochemenon. And let's maybe work on the Saturday evening Prochemen on today because there's a lot of different um, uh, texts here. But it is the 
the offering of the peace from the person presiding, the, the bishop or the presbyter offers the turns towards the people and offers the peace. And we can see this as the, um, the entrance of peace and the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as king in the community. Mm-hmm. And this really is, in some ways, the climax. You know, if, if we had this high point in Gladstone, like it climaxes here in this giving of the peace, right? It, it, the senior cleric, the, the presider, the bishop, you know, if he's there, the, the senior presbyter turns and faces the people for the very first time in the service. Now you could say if there was an entrance earlier at the end of the lamplighting psalms, there would have been a blessing given to the servers to, to re-enter the altar. But really, this is the first time that that, that senior presider turns towards the, the people, people and, and says, Shalom, Irene, peace, offers that, you know, uh, that expression of what it is to be in that place. In our hymn of, of glory, the old gladsome light, the, the sunset hymn, we, we expressed our joy of standing there. Well, here is what that's all about. It's to receive finally that peace that we have been waiting for. And it's the, it's the very content of the kingdom, really. It's the world, all of creation put right, heaven and earth united in God's peace. And the Prochemenon, which you referred to, is, is in some ways, it's a response to, to the, it's a joyful acclamation uh, and it'll vary by day of the week, of course, but it's always some kind of expression of God's majesty in his reign over all things and, and how things are, are in their right place. You know, we have received from God what it is God has been offering all along. We just weren't in a place to, to receive it, to appropriate it, to live it. And now we are. And this is this high moment of the whole service. And then the next section, let's combine the litany of fervent supplication with the evening prayer. And I think I would encapsulate this in a short, pithy line by saying, connecting our needs with God's purposes. How's that? Yeah, no, so having expressed that all is being made right at this end of all things, right? How do we extend that, you know, extend that? You know, in our own timeline, it goes forward into our lives. But in essence, what's happening here, kind of ontologically, theologically, is that it's an extension from the end of all things backwards into our time and space. But what what will that look like? We said in the fervent litany, it's about our particular needs. You know, we at the beginning of the service, we brought all the concerns and stories of the world into play on this great stage of God's creative power. But now it's about naming the people, naming the departed, naming those who are sick and suffering, naming those who are pregnant, naming those who are traveling, naming all of the particular needs. And what will that look like with God's creative peace and love and grace being extended into those those realities and we pray very specifically for those things and then of course with the 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 litany of supplication it's a kind of extension we said into our own lives as we're about to go back into the world you know through the rest of the evening and then to the the end of our lives so that we can end our lives in a in a peaceful way, you know, peaceful, right? Precisely the, an extension of God's shalom into our very death and then our 
you know, where God's breath is withdrawn and then he sends a spirit forth and creates, as we heard in that opening psalm. Now we're calling that down on our own very, you know, existence. And then that prayer of the bowing of heads, which we saw was, you know, that kind of dismissal, you know, we come forward and we are commissioned now for for our ministry in the world there's a prayer for protection over us a protection against the dark but and all the dark powers but it's a real commissioning of our ministry now for the world which of course brings us to the hymn under consideration now the podcast you're listening to reflects only the public half of the overall project of enacting the kingdom Father Jeffrey and I actively post new episodes on our completely separate private podcast. This private space gives us the freedom to debate and discuss open and sometimes controversial questions regarding the Orthodox faith amongst a smaller and more dedicated audience. If you become a patron now, you'll get immediate access to our growing backlog of private episodes, including a discussion on the ordination of women and the coronavirus multiple spoon controversy. To get access to this private podcast, go to pryingpriest.com. Looking forward to having you join our growing community on Patreon. Now back to the show. Well, here we are, the song of Simeon, right here at the end of Vespers. Let me let me try and give you a nice line here to encapsulate its meaning. Uh, oh, I don't know if I can. Maybe I'm going to wait till the end after you, uh, after I hear all your teaching on it, and then I'll summarize it. How's that? That sounds good. Okay, okay. perfect. Well, we've just been commissioned, right? We've bowed our heads. The senior cleric, bishop, or senior presbyter has, has, you know, given us this prayer protection and commissioning for our ministry in the world. Well, in some you know really powerful ways, this hymn of Simeon is placed right here because. It's kind of the framing context for that mission, for our going out. And what is that framing context? The promises are fulfilled. You know, Simeon, as we heard, was awaiting the consolation of Israel. The promise is fulfilled. Israel's God is the true God. This is the salvation, not only for Israel, it's, it's the return from exile. We saw that earlier in the service too, this coming back from exile. It's God ruling as king. We heard about that, you know, and we, we culminated the lamplighting psalms in, in this expression that God is truly ruling as king. The temple f- is filled with God's presence as was promised, right? We've, this is precisely what we've experienced. It's not only just for Israel, right? It's the salvation of all the nations, of all the Gentiles. And so our commission is to go out into the world not with some vague, renewed personal spirituality. I've, I've been cheered up or I've, you know, I've had my own, you know, uh, depression turned around into some kind of joy, but it's a proper mission for the whole world, right? And it's to extend the shalom, the peace of God to bring all the world into his covenant community and family to share in his grace and his love. That's what Simeon was waiting to see. That's what we have now seen and anew, you know, because we're doing this daily, but we've seen this again and we are recommissioned to go back out into the world in order precisely to bring what Simeon has seen as the fulfillment of all the promises and bring that to every nation, to to all the, the world. Yeah, it's a striking um, 
bit of information you shared, uh, this, this idea of the fulfillment of the promise. And, you know, when I, when I first read this, I often think, well, you know, the first two lines here, now let your servant depart in peace, O master, according to your word. And we can read that. We can read that second line, according to your word. Um, that could mean like, uh, you know, because you've kept your promise or in keeping your promise. Um, and I always just connected that merely with Simeon, right? That somehow God had made a promise to Simeon individually. Mm-hmm. And now let your servant depart in peace, O master, according to your word. I, I, I don't think I've ever really considered necessarily the whole grand promise of God to the people of Israel of what, of what he will do for the world. Um, so that's, that's a fascinating observation. Well, and of course, already in the Gospel of Luke, we've heard someone else speak almost the same words, right? About according to your word, let it be to me according to your word. The Virgin Mary says at the Annunciation, right? So this word of God, this which was, of course, the creative word at the very beginning, right? The word of God is what speaks all of creation into existence, is ongoing and and powerful and it, it it it's the word of god that came to the prophets right and in renewing and reconfirming the promises all along so everything is according to god's word according to the logos and and of course for us that word has taken concrete shape in the god man jesus christ the incarnate word so to be according to god's word has such resonance you know through all of the scriptures but also our relationship you know directly as members of the body of christ who is the word of god so to be according to the word is it says an awful lot it's not simply this one you know kind of personal transaction. So the same thing I said about it's not us being renewed in the com- in a kind of personal or unique spirituality that we have, nor was that the case with Simeon. Simeon was awaiting not his own personal kind of, you know, cheering up. He was awaiting the consolation of Israel. And for us, it's always that kind of community move, that that whole covenant family understanding, not about us simply as individuals. Although we, we count too. We're, we we're we are, you know, counted, every hair on our head is counted by, by God, but, but it's our, our true meaning is found in that loving relationship as a community with God, not simply in any sort of individual promises made to us. Another reason I can see that this song is placed at the end of evening worship is just the reference to depart, mm-hmm. right? Now let your servant depart in peace, O master. And of course, given the rest of the song you've observed father jeffrey that it's it's not just okay time to leave that there is a a commissioning right we're supposed to go out we're supposed to depart and see with our eyes the salvation that god has has achieved um but yeah i can definitely see how you know depart in peace that that line has really that being one of the reasons it's it lends itself to being at the end of evening worship. Yeah. And on one level, I mean, there is a time and a place that we will all depart. We've just sung about that in the litany of supplication, right? That, that we pray for a Christian ending to our life. There'll be a moment when we truly depart this life in peace, we hope. In How do we want to depart? In God's shalom, having lived this reality and so forth. And Simeon truly has. He was 
a devout and righteous man. He was there in the temple. Goodness knows how many days in and out he was there, um, you know, awaiting this moment, right? And he was, and he was there because he was there habitually and consistently and so forth. And so he was there when, when Joseph and Mary arrive with the 40 day old infant God man, Jesus, and they're able to hand him over to, to Simeon. And, and so we want to live our lives in that same kind of, kind of way. But, um, it, it's also for us who are not departing in quite the immediate fashion that Simeon's about to, it's a departure back into the world in keeping with what has just been, you know, revealed to us. So it's not that we are kind of, when I say commissioned, you know, it's not that we're handed, you know, we're not delegated something. I think suppose that would be a, the wrong way of thinking of this. God is somehow handing this project over to us and seeing how we're going to do with it. They're his promises and they're, it's his mission to the world that we are, you know, co-laborators in, right? We are not the, the ones who are given this task entirely and God is testing us somehow. That mission is going forward. Remember, this is God's word in action in the world. So what we do, what the church's mission is, is the missio dei, as it said in a kind of missiological theology these days. It's the mission of God himself. The church is is merely a collaborator, uh, a participant in what God is already doing. Simeon sees this happening. He he acknowledges it. He says the promises are for, are fulfilled. It's the same reality for us. It's not that we need to go out and create something or invent something or manage something on our own. We simply have to bring our own lives into line with the salvation which God has prepared before the face of all people, that light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel. That's how we live our lives, departing in God's shalom from this place. And when you leave, you're actually, you're going back into the world. Maybe most of the people in your life are not members of the church or maybe not members of your church. And I think that this song reminds us you know, that the last two lines there, a light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel, that God's purposes are not only for a select few, right? It's not only for us who are gathered in church and everyone else is going to drown in the flood or something like that, that, that uh, God's purposes are to bring all the nations to himself. And, and for us, I think not to see ourselves as necessarily exclusively the beneficiaries of God's plans, but that um, to see God's love for, for everyone outside of the church when we leave. Well, yeah. And, and we talked about this when we talked about the biblical context of, of the song and how, you know, Simeon is you know, not inventing anything new himself here. He's quoting, you know, various parts of the prophecy of Isaiah principally in, in bringing this hymn together. And, you know, one of the contexts for that is this, you know, this vision that Isaiah amongst the exiled people of God is thinking, you know, wouldn't it be great, you know, we don't, we, dare we even hope that the people of Israel will be brought back from Babylon, you know, to Jerusalem, we'll be able to rebuild and, you know, we'll have our land, we'll have our king, we'll have our temple, you know, do we even hope for that? And God says, your dream is too little, my friend, you know, don't you know that that would be too little? What I want is for the whole world to experience that. It's this remarkable moment. Of course, that had already been talked about 
right back to Abraham. But here, just to express it in that way, you know, here the people of Israel are are disconsolate. They're they're sad. They're they're wondering if even they will get back. And God says, "Hang on a minute. Don't you know?" I am going to be true to my promises. Everyone is going to experience this. Every last person is going to experience this. So dream big, right? And so here is a moment within, you know, this this Vespers. And yes, it has been good. And we've talked about this movement from, from all the world of isolation back to that, that presence of God here and the, the renewing, strengthening, comforting aspect of being in the presence and, and before the, 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 the enlightening face of God. This has been good. But as you say, now our mind's going to turn back to, well, there's a world out there that where I felt vulnerable, where I felt isolated, where I felt that, well, not everyone knows all of this. And that's, there's a kind of sadness to that. Well, like Isaiah and the exiles in Babylon, we need to have our imaginations enlarged here. We need to be thinking big. We need to think that this light will extend to every last corner of darkness in the world. And so when we can be part of that, right? So, so let us not have our hearts and minds downcast. Let us go, go out with hope. And although the night is dark, and that's going to be the, we're going to talk about this in the next section, I think on liturgical participation, the world outside is dark at this point, but we go out knowing that our hearts and minds have been lightened, and that light is big enough for the whole world. And finally, to take us to the end of the episode today, I want to look at the middle uh, lines there. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. I think we're asked to consider, have like in that service of Vespers, have our eyes seen God's salvation, right? And I think we're asked to look at the service. We're asked to look at our own lives. We're asked to look at the life of the world with a new lens here. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Have we really seen God's salvation? You've just finished listening to another public episode of Enacting the Kingdom. If you're getting value from this podcast and you'd like to support the show, you can head over to pryingpriest.com to become a patron. Also, five-star ratings with written reviews go a long way to getting the word out there about this show. Also, since Enacting the Kingdom is social media free, any word-of-mouth recommendations you can make to your friends and family would be greatly appreciated. We'll see you next time. 